was a really interesting reading from the book of Exodus this morning um, when Moses is called on to pray for the army of Joshua, the army of Israel, as they fight, fight against the Amalekites, this enemy army. And um, Amalekite, they're, they're coming to fight them, and Moses knows it, so he, he encourages Joshua and says, you know, pick your chosen men and go out into the battle, and I will be up on the mountain praying for you. And it says that so long as, as Moses had his staff in the air praying to Yahweh, Joshua and the Israelites had the better of the fight. But as soon as his hands got tired and he, he let them down, then the Amalekites would have the better of the fight. And so what he does is that they're fighting all day down there in the fighting field, and he gets so tired that Aaron and her, his two companions, tell him to sit down on a rock. He sits down, and his arms are like, and they, they just each hold an elbow and keep his arms up in the air so that the staff never falls. And sure enough, Israel wins the fight. It's an odd thing to think about this. It sort of seems like magic. So long as I do this magic trick, I wave this magic wand, that somehow pleases God and he gives me what I want, which is strength in this battle, victory for my army, etc. And I've always kind of felt weird about that reading for that reason. Is that really what God wants, is just for me to hold the right stick in the right spot to get what I want? But that's not really what it's about. You know, it's, it's a historical account, this Exodus story, but it always has a spiritual significance. Everything that Moses does, everything the prophets do, means something. And this time when I read it, I also read the psalm response, what, uh, what we sang right after we heard that reading, which is, I lift up my eyes toward the mountain. From where, from where shall come my help? My help is from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I think the point of that story is, where is my strength coming from? Where do I think my strength, my power, is coming from? Is it from me, because I've got a really good army, or I'm a really good strategist, or I do everything right? Or do I need to lift my eyes to the mountain and recognize my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth? I love that line, by the way. It's not just my help comes from the Lord, but the Lord who made heaven and earth. The one who made everything. It's just like a, yeah... He's got this. And by the way, I'm one of his creatures, so I don't got this. Like, I can't do anything without my creator. Just as I was walking to Mass this morning, I looked up and the, the sky was this beautiful blue. The leaves are starting to change. It's this crisp, cool fall air. And just, I just was like filled with this gratitude for being alive. That, God, you made heaven and earth. My help comes from you. Whatever you call me to do, you'll give me the strength. And, and we fall, the problem is we fall into this um, wrong way of thinking that, like, when things are going really well, that's because of me. Right? I did it right this time. And when things are going wrong, uh, the only way to fix that is to try really hard or to give up because I just don't have what it takes. But in those moments of triumph, do we give thanks to God from where our strength comes? And in our moments of struggle, do we not just try harder, but do we ask for help? Do we lift our eyes to the mountain and, and ask him to help us, this Lord who made heaven and earth, who can do anything? The gospel is the same idea. It's that Do we keep praying to God? Do we persist in prayer? Do we trust that he will give us what we truly want? Because even an unjust judge, even this one who doesn't respect God or any human being, as long as you poke him and irritate him enough, he'll give you what you want. How much more God who is so powerful and, and so loving, 
will give us what we want. But that too is a little bit challenging. I remember when I was in seminary, my, my brother's wife got pregnant with their fourth child, Gabby. And in the ultrasound, they were able to tell that she had a very severe congenital heart defect where her, her heart basically had two chambers instead of four. And this was a, a known rare um, genetic problem and that normally the babies were just born and they would die within a few hours. But um, 20 years prior, a, a doctor had invented a surgery that it was actually like three or four surgeries in newborn infancy that had a certain probability, a narrow probability, of helping the baby survive. And there were, there were people who were 20 years old who had had this heart defect and the surgery and didn't need a heart transplant from their original heart. This surgery helped them and they were still surviving and thriving. So there was a chance that, um, that this could happen, but all I wanted when I, when I went to pray was just do a miracle. Make her heart normal. Make her heart four chambers instead of two. You know, you're God who made heaven and earth. Just do it. And I remember it was one of the most fervent prayers for a miracle or a, a, like a concrete favor I'd ever asked. And I would light candles in front of Mary at Marytown and, and ask her to pray for, for this. And, um, Nothing happened. You know, she, she was born. She had these surgeries. Actually, 13 years later, thanks be to God, she's still alive. She's a teenager now. So um, I am grateful that, that God favored us with that. But what I, seemed to be, what I was asking for seemed to be the answer was no. You know, and we, our family, was, she was in the hospital all the time. And uh, my brother and his wife were, were up in Milwaukee. And it was a great trauma for, for everybody. And just so much feeling of helplessness and weakness and need. Um, and fear about the future. And I remember I was sitting with my brother once, and we were talking, and uh, he just told this story about his son, Thomas, who's my godson, who was, I don't know, four or five at the time. And uh, he said that it was, it was summertime, and he had gone to go get Thomas at one of the neighbor's houses down the street because um, it was nighttime, and it was time for him to come home. So he went to go get him, and he, as he was walking him home, Thomas wasn't wearing any shoes, he was barefoot, and he was walking through the grass and he stepped on some thorn or thistle or something and um, said, ouch, and, and then as he was walking, he, he could, Ethan could hear that Thomas was whimpering and crying, and he looked down at him and Thomas just looks up and he goes, Dad, can I hold your hand? And he held his hand and he, he walked with him the whole way home. And as Ethan was telling this story, he was, he was starting to weep himself. And it just occurred to me how much my brother loves his son, you know, that even the slightest little discomfort, this little pain, evokes so much mercy and so much care and love for him and just wanting to be close to him and, and saying, of course I'll hold your hand. And just how much it meant to my brother that his son would trust him and reach out to him and ask for that help, just that comfort. I want to know that you're with me in this pain. Um, it's so simple. It's so little, but um, it's the exact same thing. You know, when God is asking us to ask for help, in these moments when, when something is exposing our deepest weakness, that there's nothing I can do about this. This just hurts, and I don't understand it. Um, that God wants us to, to ask us, ask him to help us. You know, and he'll give us what we need, even if it's not what we think we want. You know? um, and that's really the point, I think, is that, that prayer is not about changing God's mind or changing God's heart. We can take for granted that his heart is for our good. Even if we don't understand it, even if our, in our limited mind we can't see the whole picture of what good he's working in my life. Um, 
But the point of prayer is to, is to change my heart. I said this, this morning in the Office of Readings, um, the Divine Office that priests and religious read every morning, it was my, one of my favorite readings from St. Augustine, where he, he talks about the, the point of persistence in prayer. He says it's not, because, um, it's not because we need to tell God what we want, but because our desires are too small. And in praying, we like stretch our heart, we exercise our, our heart to want more. When we ask God and expect him to give us favors, our hearts are more big and more open and more empty and ready to be filled. Um, and that's the point of prayer, because God wants to give us so much, so much favor, so much mercy, so much love, that our hearts have to grow in order to receive it all. And he says, when St. Paul says, pray always, what he means is, Desire unceasingly that life of happiness, which is nothing if not eternal, and ask it of him who alone is able to give it. Ask for the biggest gift possible. It's like our minds are too small. Our our hearts are too small. We don't want enough uh, compared to what God wants to give us. And so this is what Jesus is encouraging us to do today, is to, to come to God, to come to the Father, the way he came to the Father in prayer, with total expectant love, with total expectant faith, hope and trust, um, that we don't need to convince him to pay attention to us. It's not the stick (laughs) that attracts his attention. It's us. It's our hearts. But he wants us to lift our eyes and our minds to him. And the most powerful prayer possible is, Father, I want what you want. I want what you want for me. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. What you want for me is the best possible thing. Help me to want it. I desire only what you desire for my life, period.